the name came out of my frustration being an online book reviewer and being criticised for discussing feminist literature mm. and sort of being accused of banging my feminist drum as if that was a bad thing, as if shouting about equality and injustice in the world was something to be looked down upon. Hello and welcome back to The Vintage Podcast with me, Lena Norms. Now, fiction or non-fiction, old or new, I always love hearing about people's favourite reads. And I'm also trying to be conscious at the moment of how I discover my books, where I find them. Now, Jean and Lauren, Jean Menzies and Lauren Whitehead, head up a really cool online feminist book club called The Feminist Orchestra. And I thought I would invite Jean in to chat about the importance of reading books by women, how she finds and creates the books that she reads, and particularly The Feminist Orchestra's most recent read, Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit by Jeanette Winterson. If you haven't picked up a Jeanette Winterson book before, or perhaps you have and not yet this one, I guarantee by the end of this episode you'll be running to your local library or bookshop to pull it off the shelf. Uh, And I also guarantee that you'll fall in love with Jean. Jean is a vlogger, online book expert and academic, specialising in classics. And most importantly, always gives book recommendations you can trust. So without further ado, here's me having a chat to Jean. Um, so, Jean, thank you for joining us in the Vintage Studio, otherwise known as my flat. <laughs> it's lovely, it's lovely. Thanks not for having shabby, me. Not too shabby, not too shabby. We like to keep it nice around here. Um, I thought I would invite you on to talk to our lovely Vintage listeners, uh, because you run something very interesting. It's called the Feminist Orchestra. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> uh, and um, I was wondering if you'd explain to us a little bit about what it is and why why you think it should exist. How dare you? I imagine if I didn't think it should exist. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> like, actually, I'm having these existential crisis, we're going to cancel it Regretted soon. all my decisions. Mm. Uh, the Feminist Orchestra is a book club. Mm. Um, I started it back at the beginning of 2016 and I now run it with um, an un- another vlogger, uh, Lauren Whitehead. And we're on goodreads we're on twitter at femme orchestra you know we're all over the internet it's an online book club that anybody can join in on formless yes exactly and yet all all over the world (laughs) all come join all are welcome the name came out of my frustration being an online book reviewer and being criticized for discussing feminist literature Mm. and sort of being accused of banging my feminist drum as if that was a bad thing as if shouting about equality and injustice in the world was something to be looked down upon and the feminist orchestra was supposed to be a place where people could come a safe place really and discuss different feminist issues through literature and the idea of it being an orchestra was that we were all getting together with our various instruments to bang and blow our trumpets and <laughs> celebrate it's just like because people use the word drum like it's a random noise that you're just like yeah. you're just slapping you're like no this is an orchestra we, we there's have a, a beat exactly there's, there's a purpose melody. to this noise um and we will be heard but i, I mean it. we cover a broad range of topics and the the point is to cover all the different intersections of feminism so that we're covering the lives of women from all different backgrounds and we're discussing gender in all different situations and how it affects everybody's lives Um, and people have varying opinions on these different issues that arise with different books we don't all agree and that's fine but the people are respectful and willing to discuss it and we're coming from the same place and that at the end of the day we all believe in equality Mm. and it's just about what that means to us Um, and one of 
the topics that obviously I wanted to make sure was included within those intersections of feminism was um, being a gay woman or a queer woman, um, which is something that you get in Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit by Jeanette Winterson. So that's why we picked that one for the book club. But mm-hmm. we try to cover everything. I mean, we haven't yet. We've only yeah. been going for so long. So we'll eventually hopefully get to so many more topics in the future. But kind of that's that's the intention. Mm-hmm. And we read fiction and nonfiction. That's amazing. I think like one of the reasons it resonated with me is that like, I feel like there's this assumption because you're um, a young woman and a feminist and a reader that it's all just going to happen for you. And you're going to read the right books and you're going to find them mm. and you're not going to miss anything. And, mm. you know, and I think it, there is like a good thing about being intentional about what you're reading yeah. and not, because I think because patriarchy has been so prevalent in the canon, it's like you kind of have to like really sit down and look at it. And yeah. I think that's what you're giving people is like, kind of like we've sat down, we've really thought about yeah. the kind of feminist books we should be reading yeah. and the ones we shouldn't miss. Yeah, it's really easy to, to just read books about yourself as well mm. like it's yes. really easy to just be quite insular with your reading and not mm. try and read a broader spectrum of authors and genres and it also means that we're kind of maybe celebrating and drawing attention to some books that aren't the obvious ones mm, hopefully <laughs> how did you go about picking all the books um, well, Lauren and I sat down, it was very <laughs> thorough, uh, with our, with our you notepads. You shut yourself up for weeks. <laughs> I mean, it was a day. <laughs> but we pre-thought about it and we had, like, we both sort of made a list and it sort of, it was, it's kind of like deciding, are you just going to read non-fiction books that are explicitly sold to readers as feminist literature mm. and teaching you about feminism, or are you going to try and explore a variety of things? And that's why I kind of wanted to hone in on themes, so it's like something we haven't got to do yet but I would like to do is to read a book that deals with domestic abuse in the future so in that situation I'm seeking out a book that portrays domestic abuse reading reviews and uh, how well it does that as opposed to looking for lists of feminist literature or I'm looking for Mm. a book like Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit that explores growing up being gay that Mm. it's sort of trying to find books that cover different experiences as opposed to just being the obvious yeah like, like five feminist books yeah, yeah yeah exactly because i suppose as well if something's already on a reading list people already know about yeah, it exactly. and it's like well you want to find yeah yeah and like fi- cool. yeah so it's sort of like it, it also proves to people how feminism's purpose is to cover so many different things mm. it isn't like just one thing yeah and so many things are actually feminist issues yeah definitely obviously another reason i wanted to chat to you is because um you recently read oranges are not the only fruit by jeanette winterson and uh you loved it uh, but i also wanted to hear before you read this one what was your favorite one you've read so far from from the book yeah. club mm-hmm. oh how do i pick <laughs> that's i just want to pit feminists against, against feminists i mean that's, <laughs> that's a healthy thing to do i think I think one of the books that... There's been a couple of books that we've read that I'd already read. Mm. Not Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit and um, not most of them. Because I wanted... It's my book club too. I wanted to read new (laughs) books. And one of the books I hadn't read before was Girls Will Be Girls by Amy O'Toole. Which Mm. is a non-fiction book all about gender. Mm. And kind of um, the way gender affects everybody basically Mm. in society. And I love that book so much. So, so, so much. Um such such a wonderful book I don't know it was sort of one of those books where you could you could laugh and cry and get angry and feel like you could relate to the the writer and there was just so much feeling and it just yeah that's got a lot of history in it as well hasn't it or is that maybe just the cover like gives me the impression it's got like a silhouette yeah yeah yeah. yeah. 
No, I'm not surprised. No, no. I, no, so do you know what it is, actually? I think she, she the author is at, does actually have a PhD in gender studies and she sort of discusses, like, philosophy and stuff in mm. there, but she makes it really accessible. That's so, so she kind of breaks it down. And yeah. she just, it's, it's, an, it's an accessible book and I think that's really important, really, mm. really important is, like, accessibility to different and varied ideas. I also think, I don't know what you think as well, but, like, there's why it's a feminist book club. Mm. It, was there any point that you were like, maybe we should make this a feminist film club or a different... Why did you, mm. why do you think books are specifically a very, like, unique way to explore yeah. feminism? Actually, something I thought about recently when we read um, Feminism is for Everybody by mm-hmm. Bell Hooks was the importance of feminism and any academic topic not being restricted to books. So as much as I appreciate literature, I do think it's really important that these topics and any sort of topic of equality and social justice is discussed in mediums that are accessible to loads of people and not just books written in one language. Um, But at the same time, I think think the nice thing about a book is that quite often it is something lots of people can have access to, maybe even more so than a film. If you pick something that's been widely published in lots of languages that you can get in your library, Mm. people can sit and read it, absorb it, they can make notes, they can think about it. And books have varying levels of accessibility but I've always tried to pick things where um, hopefully they're going to be accessible to lots of people and I just find literature just such a wonderful way to explore new or new ideas or ideas you're already familiar with to challenge you in what you already think or to help you develop nuances and what I find from reading books about things is they help me articulate my thoughts on something better yeah, <laughs> they give like, me the words live alongside you a little bit more yeah what i find what i like about, about books more than anything else is that they they, they, they take you so long to read mm, <laughs> some yeah. of us longer than others and like i think that it means that they permeate your life a bit more because you have to carry them around yeah. and you have to take pauses to like actually attend work <laughs> and yes. like do all those things you need to do but like because it's always there yeah you can't just leave it in a cinema or you know, yeah no know. You, you you stew on it don't you mm. it, it is there and you, you spend more time with it more often mm. than you do with a film. Yeah, definitely. So, obviously, um, another reason I invited you on here is because you liked Orange is Not the Only Fruit. I read this book um, first when I was at university, and it was part of a queer fiction module. Oh. Um, what made, and I've recently reread it, but what made you pick it for the book club? What was it? Well, you hadn't read it when you picked it. No, I hadn't. Mm. Lauren had, so I did have the faith that somebody had vetted it. I, I mean, <laughs> I trust Lauren. To yeah, a I, extent. I had faith anyway because it is pretty revered mm. in the world of queer literature. Um, it's also by an author I had read books by before, so it was like, yeah, I, tr- I trust this author. I know I, I like her, and I, I mean, if you, if you're the one picking the books for a book club, your taste is going to come into it somewhere as much as I tried to keep it varied and take other people's suggestions into mind. <laughs> you're still like, no, she's a dead cert. Yeah. <laughs> we trust Jeanette. Exactly, I do, I do mm. trust Jeanette. It's a semi-autobiographical book, so it's based in reality. The author that wrote it has her own experience of growing mm. up as a, a young gay woman, um, so she can really bring that to the plate when mm. depicting a character in that situation. But it's also about a young working class woman and a woman I- involved in her church and kind of how all these things mesh together. And I just, people had just told me that it was tear jerking and not even just people that had read the book because there, there was a television mm. adaptation a few years ago and my mum was telling me it's great. She hadn't read the book, but the TV show, <laughs> fabulous. So actually, in this mm. instance, could go and watch that too, couldn't you? I don't know where you get it. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's around forms. somewhere. Yeah. I just, I had faith in it and I thought it would hopefully 
based on my experience of reading Jeanette Winterson before, conjure up lots of different feeling and thoughts in the people that were reading it because of mm. the way she writes. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well it's interesting because she says it's not a memoir, mm, yeah. uh, but she has had similar experiences yeah. to it. But she says that also about like um, Sex in the Cherry and um, and then she also so did write a memoir. What part of Sex in the Cherry did she experience? The fall of well, Cromwell? Like... <laughs> she said. She said <laughs> I just watched an interview yeah. not half an hour ago. <laughs> she said. But yeah, no, it's... Um, I do love that big though. <laughs> but like, yeah, in Sex in the Cherry and then also um, YB... Oh, the, happy when yeah. you could be normal. Yes. So it's it's almost like she's leaving bits of her autobiography yeah. around in her books, but yeah. not we're not given full access yeah. to it all chronologically. So it's interesting. Yeah, the way you think about your life, actually, now that I think about it, probably does change. It needs to be told mm. in various different forms over various different periods of time because you actually kind of sum yourself up differently at different yeah, times. Yeah, it's not quite linear. Yeah. It's like, I suppose you could tell your life in loads of different ways depending on the theme. <laughs> yeah. So you could be like, tell me the, the story of your life, Jean, through the lens of Scottishness. Yeah. And yeah, you could do, do it again for feminism or for, yeah, so anyway, I thought that was interesting. So the, the structure of the book is quite interesting. Mm. So it's like Genesis, Exodus, and then it's like, she goes on to talk about Ruth a lot. Mm. Um, well, the one thing I don't have is a particularly knowledgeable background in religion (laughs) (laughs) i like was brought up in atheist household i've never read the bible so it's not something that well i suppose at least in that way it didn't make it less accessible to me Mm. as somebody that wasn't familiar with this stuff but it felt like it made sense with the character Mm. and it kind of i don't don't know it like it did work despite my lack of knowledge in that area yeah. and I also like that she wove in sort of her own versions of fairy tales and kind yeah. of that was lovely it's not like an, a navel gazing book no. even though it's about her I feel like she she weaves it into it being like this isn't just my story this is a lot of people's stories and this isn't my struggle it's everybody's yeah kind of absolutely thing. I thought it was really clever and also they're kind of like like Ruth is the forgotten woman in the Bible. She's one of the ah. only one ones there, and she's not. She's never really given her own voice. She's given her own book, but not her own yeah. voice. And like I thought, for me, like growing up in a Christian household, I was that was like really interesting. I was like, oh my god! And now she's doing Exodus yeah. because she's, she's leaving home and she's doing she's breaking out of stuff and she's going through the desert. And I'm like, oh yeah, I love. But then that. I think it works on so many levels because yeah. you're like a, more of an expert in like mythology and and yeah, fairy myth's tales. My thing. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. my only fairy tale growing up was Jesus. <laughs> so um. It's, yeah, I, I like that when you can discover new levels. layers to books, even reflecting on them afterwards that you didn't necessarily think about at the time. But and that's the nice thing about a book club is that you can discuss mm. it with other people and you you get this new perspective on a book and they can point out things that you didn't notice. And I really like that. I like when a book is so multi-layered. Mm. It's lovely. That's really clever. Fairy tales was also like, it felt like it was a bit of a coping mechanism. Because mm. what, what, I don't know how you felt about it when reading it, but I felt it was like the character Jeanette mm. was like holding us at arm's length a lot. So you don't get everything about how she feels about yep. falling in love with Melanie. Yep. And you don't get everything about how she feels about leaving her mum. It's almost like there's a little bit of a disconnect. Yep. And then she like joins the dots with fairy tales and with things that aren't to do with her. <laughs> and it's almost like a kind of, yeah, it's, it's very intimate, but it's also like... Yeah, I think that's part of the experience of going through something like that as well quite often is sort of, she's probably keeping herself from a, a certain distance from those emotions. It's mm. like wanting to keep it simple and not to, to have to question it or question the ideas other people have put in her head that don't fit with how she feels as a person and how her sexuality has evolved. So it's kind of like not processing that properly so she's not able to share those feelings with mm. the reader because yeah. she's not processing them. But then 
can think about them in the sense of a fairy tale because that's not her. Yeah. And yeah, it was lovely. Like, like, <laughs> I think lovely is the right word. Like stories you tell yourself about yourself. Yeah. You know, quite. And I, I was also thinking when I was reading it, I was like, I wonder, because this has been studied in schools and universities. Mm. So I'm like, I'd really love to hear how it will be studied in 50 years, because I know it will mm. be. But it's also like this thing of like, when she wrote it or in the time it's set, it's like they don't, she didn't even really have words like lesbian. Mm. She doesn't yeah. use the word lesbian. No. And like when her minister or pastor like criticizes her, mm. and they have the argument, it's, it's like, he, he, they use the word like women who like women yeah. <laughs> or girls who like girls yeah. and they don't even have the vocabulary for that at that point so yeah. it'd be interesting when the world has gone on even further to see how people read it because it's yeah that moment though when she has the argument with the leader of her church uh, like really stuck with me because there was something they said in it about how she'd played this role in her church of leading like prayer circles or like kind of leading the people speaking and kind of taking quite an authoritative role in her church and standing up in front of people and he accused her of taking on the role of a man which is why she's now attracted to women and I was just like well that's the perfect combination of sexism and homophobia in one sentence <laughs> like why kill one bird when you can kill two <laughs> yep but that really like because I'm sure that's probably what people think and that really yeah. like hit me I was like god yeah but people still think that now. That's yeah. just, like, interesting. It's still such a relevant book. It, yeah. might, have, it might be set a few decades ago, yeah. but it is, it is not it's, less relevant. It's, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. It's one of those books that I'm like, oh, I wish this will become irrelevant, but it won't. And it's <laughs> a good thing because it's so well written that I'm like, please don't stop, like, please yeah. don't stop reading this book. But also yeah. I wish it didn't ring so true. Like, I recently read Undivided by Vicky Beeching, mm -hmm. which is, like, her memoir about um, growing up in the Christian, like, society and becoming a Christian pop star and then having that all ripped away from her when she came out. And that is... I still see people tweet her on Twitter in the way that, like, um, Jeanette, the character of Jeanette's mum talks to her. Yeah. And it's like, we kind of think of her as a caricature. Yeah. <laughs> and then these people are around and it's a good reminder, really, I guess. Yeah. But um, I was listening to an interview with Jeanette earlier and um, <laughs> and she was talking about how her real-life mother um, used to believe that the second coming was going to happen imminently. So yeah. she, she grew up in this way that was, like like in the book, like that they were constantly waiting for the apocalypse. Yeah. And that she had, like, a... Instead of a trumpet for the apocalypse, they, they did almost, like... Um, like fire drills but for the apocalypse so like she'd get like a piece of paper or a piece of card and roll it up in a horn shape and then like do 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 yeah which is supposed to like be like the horns of of like um the world caving in and then they'd have to hide in a cupboard for like an hour just to practice what they'd have to do oh in the event of second coming i love the way jeanette winterson writes as well this is something i felt reading everything i read by her this was the fourth book i'd read by her and it's so surreal almost it's it's so unique there's nobody quite like her you know you're reading a Jeanette Winterson book when you're reading a Jeanette Winterson book but she her writing is is quite surreal despite the fact that she's talking about very real topics mm. but she does it in this really strange way I don't know how to explain it but it's beautiful to read mm. it's really beautiful to read it kind of feels to me like her writing is kind of like you're being led in a very short passageway and you're not sure where you're going. Mm. And you're like, well, this just feels like a random, a random of it, like turns and, and, mm. and like turns back on yourself and writes and left. Yeah. And then when you get to the end, you look back and you're like, oh, that was a very calculated maze. Yes. You thought about that whole maze. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, you, f you feel very in the book when you're reading it. It's an experience. Mm. <laughs> you go yeah, through it. Definitely. 
Um, what would you say to people who are trying to find new feminist texts, apart from obviously to follow uh-huh. the feminist <laughs> orchestra? Like, what's a way to like that you do you use to kind of get out of your echo chamber and find new books to read? I mean, there's various ways I personally find books about feminism. Um, I, I think there's like there's it's nice to get a balance of old and new. So I quite like to read older books, which might in some ways be somewhat outdated but perhaps had a big impact on feminist thinking and um, gender equality when they were written I'm, I mean Virginia Woolf is like a great one to read and you you could say like things have changed slightly since she was writing and she's not perfect on everything but still what she says is really important and I think it's good to see what things were like what has changed and what hasn't changed and kind of the eternal struggles there and then also keeping an eye on what's coming out new and what publishers are kind of promoting and what they're publishing now as to what they think are relevant issues but I always like to find recommendations from books from other authors so I think not specifically about feminism more about political activism but a book I love is Freedom is a Constant Struggle by Angela Davis and reading Angela Davis I can't remember why I started reading her but there, I started reading Angela Davis, really glad I did, because then she talked about this woman, Asata Shakur. So now I'm reading Asata Shakur's autobiography. And it's just like... Yeah, it's, sort it's of, like a, Yeah. It's, it's quite, like the authors are passing you along. You're yeah. Like, okay, you can have a bit of Jean now. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> next, next, next book up, it kind of gives you what's mm. what's next to read. Um, but I've, I've found doing the book club as well very good, because people recommend things as well. Mm. They recommend what they've read, and you might never have thought of it before a book mm. that lauren found for the reading list that we're reading um next actually yeah it's the book we're reading next and i'd never heard of it before and it's called train wreck not the film mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's about our perception of women in the media having mental breakdowns and our sort of obsession with that so like women like britney spears and the kind of the way really we treat them, them yeah. in the media and kind of get really obsessed with them and mm. I just sounded fascinating and I was sort of like how did, how did you find that from. I think just having conversations mm. with other people and mm. goodreads and googling and there's mm. there's so much out there yeah so much out there I've loaded my, the wrong only, file. my only other thought on um the topic of queer literature and queer women in literature is that it can be incredibly difficult to find books centered on mm. queer women yeah I, I find it so hard yeah. and one of the things I notice, which is incredibly frustrating, is that books that do actually feature romances between two female characters don't mention on the blurb, don't mention that their female character is queer, don't mention that that's even covered in their book, as if somehow that will put their audience off. And I think that's that's really sad. And I think Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit is a really positive book about yeah, that. Because it's explicitly in the Exactly, and it's explicitly. Like... And I think its popularity and the praise it's received shows that there is a market for that whether people are queer or not and they're willing to read it and you know we need to start publicizing and publishing more queer women writers and books amen 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 testify (laughs) well thank you so much for coming on the vintage podcast thanks for having me (laughs) and um what's your next read it's a bi-monthly book club we are reading train wreck next Mm -hmm. and that will be over September, October. Mm-hmm. And then in November, December, we're reading Kindred by Octavia E. Butler. Amazing. And the reading list has yet to be set oh, for 2019. So send you some suggestions. Yes, you we'll can. Do Please do. But yeah, I'll definitely read around. Hopefully, yeah. I've got, I've got some thoughts, but I'm excited to see what we come up with.
Thanks. To feminism. <laughs> Jeanette. Jeanette. Yes, to Jeanette. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Vintage Podcast. I'll leave links in the show notes to where you can find Jean and the Feminist Orchestra. Which Jeanette Winterson books have you read and which ones would you recommend? Do let us know at Vintage Books on Twitter. We would love it if you left us a review. It really helps people find the podcast. We will leave you now to get back to your reading. Until next time. Bye.